Hello, and welcome to another episode of In Conversation. My name is Pat King, a contributor with Years to Feed. On our final episode of 2021, we are thrilled to welcome Kevin Whalen of The Wrens to talk about his brand new album, Observatory, under the new moniker Aeon Station. Out today on Sub Pop, the new album is his final music since the release of The Wrens' masterpiece, The Meadowlands, back in 2003. Fans who had been waiting patiently over the years for a follow-up of The Meadowlands were surprised when Waylon announced this new project in a New York Times feature last September. But while some were disappointed that these new songs would not be found on a new Renz album, the material on Observatory ranks amongst some of the strongest he has ever released, and it makes for a more than suitable sequel to one of indie rock's classic emotional roller coaster rides. In this conversation, we get into the nitty-gritty on why he and his songwriting partner in the Wrens, Charlie Bissell, could no longer agree on finalizing their long-awaited follow-up to the Meadowlands, the future of Aeon Station, and so much more. Out today on Sub Pop, the new album is his first new music since the release of the Wrens' masterpiece, The Meadowlands, back in 2003. Since this is our final episode of 2021, I thought I would take the chance to thank everyone at Years to Feed for making all of these wonderful episodes possible this year. Years to Feed founders Maxwell and Christopher Can, contributor Jane Lai for her fantastic interviews when I was unable to host, and editors Tim Race and Grace Elder for piecing them all together. Now, on with my chat with Kevin Whalen. I hope you enjoy. Hello. Hey, Kevin. How's it going? Hey, how are you, Patrick? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's a pleasure to meet you. Yeah, same here. Thank you so much for taking the time. Really. <laughs> yeah. Thank. Thanks so much for doing this. I I, I know you you must be busy. Um, are are you back working this week or? Yeah, it's it's uh, working and um, yeah, just just everything you know, uh, kind of you know, working and, and supporting the, the the music. So yeah, it's been extra, extra busy, but thank you. Really. Thank you for the time. Yeah, for sure. Um, how, how was your Thanksgiving? Was it good? It was nice. Yeah. It was yeah. a real nice one, right? The family came over and we had it here at my house. So it was, it was really, it was really lovely. Everyone was, you know, Thanksgiving, you can't beat Thanksgiving, right? It's just a day to get together and eat. No pressures, right? No, no <laughs> gifts, no, no guilt, just eating. So that's yeah. Good. I guess. Flowing I guess- diets. I guess like best case scenario, that's what it is, you know, like, I'd be like <laughs> yes, you know. that's true. It can also be often fraught with uh, many, you know, family issues or timing issues or yes, it definitely is. It's also the start of the season of a lot of pressure for people. That's for sure. Right. Definitely. But how was yours? Did you have a good one? It was good. It was good. Um, my wife and I, we, I think this was the first time in a few years we had, my parents usually host it. So we, we live in Philadelphia now and I grew up kind of outside, outside Vermont. So yeah. So, so this was like the first time in a long time we made the drive up and spent it with my parents. So it was, it was nice. It was really good to see them. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. Vermont's incredible, incredible state. That's for sure. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really nice. Um, but I have to say it's, I, I didn't know as, as many fans of the Wrens can attest, I didn't know if this would ever be a possibility to talk to you about some new music and it's, it's such a great occasion and it it couldn't be 
Um, it couldn't be, um, I guess, uh, a better time to talk about something because this record is just fantastic. Uh, AM station observatory. Wow. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Means a lot. Yeah. And, and I guess after all this time, since the metal ends, uh, how are you feeling right now? How are you feeling that the album's completed? Yeah, it is. Uh, it's nice to be able to share music, right? That's for sure. And just super excited about the the music that's on the record. And, you know, it's it's been a large part of my life. You know, uh, it, it, in, in many ways, I haven't put out, you know, recorded music since 2003. So it's almost 20 years. And uh, <laughs> that's, you know, people usually don't go 20 years between making records and releasing music so so yes it is just a surreal wonderful experience and uh so lucky given all the complexities of covid and just life and just just so lucky and blessed to be able to do it right that's for sure right right and and i guess you know it's it's the thing that's kind of burning on everyone's minds you know um I, I guess what, what was it? Five five songs from this record were supposed yeah. to be on yeah. on the follow up right. to Meadowlands, the right. the the long awaited follow up yeah. to Meadowlands from the Rens. Um, I, I guess in terms of you know it's it's been so long, and I'm sure you just have so many songs banked, you know, for that project or from that project. Mm-hmm. I guess what made the songs from this record that were supposed to be on, on that album uh, special and, and kind of deserving yeah. of, of a solo <clears throat> album, as opposed to um, yeah. being kept for Ren's album. Yeah. It's uh it's, it's a great question. You know um, the way we always worked sort of as the, in the Ren's world and sort of, I've been trained by being, and that's the only thing I've known and, and done my entire life, you know, is there is the Ren's. Um, but what, what kind of we would always do a, a lot of songs right but we would sort of just call it down and only a couple sort of made made the the the, the batch mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and, and many right. songwriters and many bands do this right you know only, only the winners sort of survive and you know i i made a whole bunch of demos and all that but the reality is that those five are really the winners from that big litter right they were the ones that kind of made it through and uh and just that they were just sort of my favorite songs. And, and you know, I, I have to be honest with this, you know, I have I have humble dreams of my idols, right? You know, my idols like, uh, pardon me, you know, I, I don't know, right? Paul, Paul Simon, you know, you name all the great songwriters that have existed. And, um, you know, I, I was so happy that I think that some of these might be the best songs that I've done, right? And over a lifetime. And, you know... Uh, so, so they sort of made it for me in that regard, and uh, and I put a lot of work in, right? I recorded every every bit of the songs, and um, uh, you know, except for the drums, but put them all together. So it was it was fun. It was good. Yeah, and and especially you know, for someone who's been a fan for such a long time, I was I was a teenager when the Meadowlands oh came out. Wow, thank you and, so much. Yeah, and and um, you know, just. Sit, you know, having that record be such a constant companion for so long um, wow. in, in my life, and then hearing these songs and, and having it be, you know, really kind of taking the baton where the emotional heft was on that album oh, and kind of you. maintaining the the intensity and and the kind of inventiveness of that album. Oh, it's wow. it's it's really it's it's really just something to behold. I, I guess. Um, 
you know, when a, trying to flesh this album out, you know, with those five songs and then kind yeah. of adding new songs, was that, yeah. was that something that was a struggle to kind of maintain the same you know, voice um, and the same feeling? Yeah. Well, first off, thank you for, for, you know, being part of, you know, what we've done as the Wrens, right. For that long, because that, that record meant so much to us, the Meadowlands, right. You know, just, so I can't, I can't thank you enough. I can't think, I can't think enough all to all the people that are even slightly interested or have taken that record into their world because, you know, for all intents and purposes, we sort of made that record on our own super DIY, right? Like to a degree that was almost shocking. And yes, we had some help along with a little, you know, some help with some friends, you know, Ryan Schreiber, you know, and Pitchfork. And, you know, we, we were, we were in a lucky time there, but that record was definitely, you know, the record of our lives and building up to it. And, and, you know, the band worked so hard on it, you know, Charles worked so, 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 so desperately hard on it. And, and so did I and Greg and Jerry, you know, so to have that come out and people now these years later still feel that it, it you know, that, that's the goal for, for, for us or for me, right. Is just to have music go into somebody's life and sort of be with them for quite a while. Right. Mm. And the fact that you're kind of seeing that, you know, that trajectory kept on, which is really the main goal is how do you then make those emotional kind of connections? Right. Because it's, we weren't going to make a disco record and we weren't going to make our electronic <laughs> right. record or do something like left to feel like we really uh, were discussing that we wanted to keep in the same sort of emotional kind of vein. So thank you. It's, it's really what we were going for. And then in terms of the new ones, you know, I think the new ones were kind of a different phase of life as well, because um, given, you know, COVID and, you know, you know, five of those songs I wrote in my late twenties and the most recent five I wrote, you know, in my early fifties, <clears throat> So it's sort of, it's almost like looking at two pictures of yourself side by side, you know, like in a, in a scrapbook and they're both you and they're both similar, but they're different, right? Which makes it, I think that's what makes it a little unique for the record. Yeah, it, it really does. It really does kind of have that quality of there's, there's so much, um, you know, of the emotional spectrum that's kind of covered throughout it in terms of, in terms of uh, musicality and, and also lyrically. Um, thank I, you. I, I, I did go for that. We always went for that as a Reds too, but you know, it's sort of, so thank you. I mean, that's, you know, we're, like I said, we're not a band that just gives you the same punch over and over again, right? It's, <laughs> you want to, you want to have frenzied highs. You want to have triumphant, you know, parts, you want to have the intimate, you know, get close, you know, so yeah. So thank you. Yeah. And I, I guess, you know, um, I, I think it was, it was, I had, I had to look back today, but it was, it was in 2014 that, uh, Charlie, um, posted a photo of him and it was, it was very kind of mysterious and it got people very excited about, and, and it was him signing a record contract for the rents of, of like <laughs> the next, the next record to come out. And, yeah. um, I, I guess, you know, I, I don't want to maybe get into too much of like the, the difficulty that kind of went behind maybe making this decision, um, of, of kind of releasing a solo album, but, um, what was the decision in your mind to, I guess, release this now rather than maybe sit a little longer um, to maybe kind of gestate on a, on a rent? Yeah. Record? You know, I, I think, um, so when I started making songs for this record, right. In earnest, it was, it was in 2007. Mm -hmm. And then when we started kind of tracking was in 2010. 
<clears throat> and then uh, for all of us, life happened, right? Jobs, we all got married. Like when we made the Meadowlands, three of us barely really either had no girlfriends or didn't have, you know, we're in that phase of nothing. And then by the time we got into, you know, post the Meadowlands stuff, you know, we all had wives and children and trying to navigate the forties. Right. You know, um, right. It's an interesting life hurdle or, you know, phase, I would say. Um, and, you know, I, I think that's, I, I think when you probably got to like 2020 and 2021, in particular, 2021, really, because I had never had any intention of ever doing anything else except put the reps until really this year. And at that point, I was just, I think, given COVID, given life, you know, I, I've shared, you know, I have two boys, one's autistic. And I think when you get to see life in a different way, that time is so precious and you just can't get it back. Right. You just, I mean, it's, it's so cliche, but the reality is, is that's what it is. And I, I just couldn't, I couldn't wait anymore to not do music, right? It wasn't, it wasn't, I could, it's like, I couldn't wait for the Rens. I will wait for the Rens for the rest of my life. You know, I, I love the Rens more than anyone, right? You figure I started the band when I was 18. I got Jerry, I got Charles. Like it, it's, it's everything that drove my life. And um, you'll never hear me ever not be hopeful, right? For a Rens record. It's all I've ever wanted, but it was, and I will wait for a Rens record, but I, I couldn't wait to do music anymore. Right. So I think that's where that's where the kind of the crossroads came for me. Right. Was was that contract that, you know, if it, if yeah. it was 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 that contract with Sub Pop? And I know this record is on. Yes. Sub Pop. Yeah, um, it was. And, you know, you figure at that point you're talking about a band that literally is 25 years old signing that record. No. Yeah. 25 years old. Right. People, people that listen to our music aren't even they weren't even born, right? You know, it's like, it's ridiculous, right? Like you said, you were a teenager, right? We started the band, you weren't even around. And up to that date to sign that contract is what was our dream. You figure that's all, and we had so many weird contractual things, with labels and near near successes and failures and mostly failures. <laughs> it was mostly <laughs> never getting the big deal. So for us to get a signed contract was super, super exciting. We only, we've only signed two contracts in our career. One was for Grass Records when we were 23. And I always joke, you know, because Jerry and I were secretaries. We were admins together. And we saw the contract come through a fax machine. Like, that's how long ago it was. Wow. Yeah. And then, and then the Sub Pop contract came in. And you figure these are life moments, right? And not only that, like, I cannot say enough about Sub Pop. You know, it, you know, I bought the Bleach record, right? You know, I was completely obsessed with like Shins and Not a Surf. I mean, you name it, like Postal Service, on and on, all the sub pop bands, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, they're cooler than their bands <laughs> for a label <laughs> as people, which is just, you kind of can't say anything more than that, right? They just are so nice. I know Mark, Mark Arm works in the in the mailing room at Sub Pop. Oh, <laughs> I, I oh, think. I, th I think he manages it. I, I think that's like his, his, his job. Outside oh, of right. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, I have to tell you, it is just a joy, right? They're the kind of label that if you go to Seattle and ask them to come visit, they'll probably say yes. Like it's just, they're just so unique. They really are wonderful people. <laughs> right. So um, this, this project, uh, Aeon Station was, was announced um, through a New York times article, you know, a, a feature that, that you were, that you were in. And it, it came as, as a, a big surprise for a lot of people, you know, it was yeah. like, Oh, 
at, at one point it was like, oh, we, we get to hear new Kevin Whalen music. Um, but, oh, on the other hand, it's, it's not a Renz album, but it's this new thing. Yeah. And, and I think it was, it was kind of bitter, bittersweet for a lot of people in, yeah, in some respects. Um, I guess what, what Me did you too. feel? Yeah. What, what, what did you feel about, um, I guess the reaction to that announcement and, and, you know, in general? I, I have to tell you is, uh, number one, I'm, I'm, I'm never on the internet. It's just, I, I don't do it. Right? I've never been on Facebook. I've never done Twitter. I did a little Ren's Twitter for, a, uh, not, uh, yeah. Twitter. I guess so. I can't even remember, right? No, not Twitter. Uh, Instagram. I did a little Ren's Instagram for a couple of years, but very, very small. Anyway, long story short, um, I've always just enjoyed the interaction with the folks that have just like you, like to meet and say, hey, you know, I love music. And oh, by the way, I like that Ren's record and, or what you've done or I've gone to a show or whatever. That's just been amazing for me. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, I, I think having that kind of come out and then see some of the reaction, it's been overwhelmingly kind. Yeah. I, I can't say it any other way. It's kind to every aspect of who we are and what we are. It's kind to the new music. It's kind to the Wrens. It's kind to the difficulties. It's kind to, like, that's just awesome. I mean, yeah, of course, there's always some people that just like to rattle the cage and just have some fun, <clears throat> which so do we, right? You know, that that's all no worries. But, you know, mostly, I think it's, and I think it's a testament to who we were as a band and what we were always about, right? It really was always about friendship and connection and, you know, and in all reality, in all honesty, we were never, we never made it. You know, I think it's the thing that people don't realize that yes, we had incredible, luckily, you know, scores and great reviews with Pitchfork and all that stuff, but we never, you know, we were never the it band or we were never a hit band or we were always sort of like the introverts sort of like, I have a secret band kind of thing, which was cool. Right. You know, which is like made those, made the people who liked us special and made the music special and then made what we did special. So it's what we enjoyed. Right. I mean, yes, we had dreams about being, you know, you know, rock stars when we were young, but we gave that up a long, long time ago. (laughs) Right. I I think that's, I think that's true. It's, it's such a disconnect that I think a lot of music fans have with, with their favorite bands. Um, yeah. you know, it's, it's, um, that, you know, there are only a few artists out there that are really kind of cleaning up, you know, that are, yeah. that are on the top. And, and, um, especially, you know, when we look back at, you know, I, I guess early on, and, we, and we were, we were involved with so many of them, right. Yeah. You know, to, to be friends with, you know, and I kind of said a number of times, like, you know, Connor, when he was, when he was a teenager, Right. I mean, he was, he was, he was 14. Right. And, you know, or meeting Arcade Fire, right. When they, they got their first tour band, which was a bus, school bus or the hold steady when they were putting things together. I mean, just, just even on those small things and many, many other artists, right. Um, You know, and there are some that just kind of get there. Right. And they're able to sustain it. But for the most part, I think what made the Wrens and what makes the Wrens still is that we're kind of normal people. We, I mean, we are completely normal. We have day jobs. We don't have that band, <clears throat> right? We don't have that kind of band mystery. Yeah, and and I think I think that's I think that's what made the the New York Times piece so great, you know, because it really did kind of humanize everyone in the band. And yeah, and and for people who maybe don't realize that, you know, you know, like a band like Black Flag or someone, they were the reason why they ultimately kind of blew up. 
back in the day was because there was just no money and, yeah. and it was just impossible to do. But like, um, but the piece really kind of showed, you know, like why, you know, why the process was difficult, like, you know, because every, everyone has these busy it lives. Was, it's always been a sustained mission for all four of us. I mean, I, I can't emphasize that enough. It's almost absurd that we made so many life decisions based off of something that kind of was never anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like it wasn't, yeah, right. you weren't like, wow, you know, you guys had a hit and you really could have gotten it back. It's like, no, there was no label. I mean, yes, then Sub Pop was interested, but you, you know what I mean? Like, so, uh, but uh, yes, it, it definitely humanizes every aspect of it. And it also kind of, I think, highlights to anyone that you kind of can't give up your dream. And the other part too, is that if you have an artistic venture in your life, whatever it might be, cooking, painting, whatever it might be, is that you just kind of can't give it up. You know, like I'm having this podcast with you. And if I were to ask you to specifically articulate why you're doing it, you could give me some reasons, but the the real essence of why you're doing it, you're like, I don't know. I just do it. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, that's it. You, you, yes, you love it. Uh, it probably doesn't really bring in like, you know, you're probably not getting gold bricks every day for it, you know, so. <laughs> I, it, it seems like you, you know, the, uh, the media world very well. <laughs> if you, if you <laughs> exactly. understand that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's true. I, I, I feel like, you know, in artistic pursuits, in writing and, and doing any sort of thing revolving around the arts, there, there is just, you're either you're in that orbit or you're not. There's, yeah. There's a great book, an old British book. I think I may, might have it up here, um, but it's called The Horse's Mouth. Oh, nice. And, and in it, um, the, the protagonist of, of the book is, is an artist and he's talking to a young girl and, uh, yeah. and his advice to her is, if you ever have an artistic inclination, just flatten it out because you'll never be able to like escape from it. <laughs> you know? like, yeah, that's, what, a, what, a, what a great what a great way of looking at it. And um, yeah, that, that really is because you have your peaks and valleys and, you know, I kind of shared, I think my relationship with music and art and my pursuit has changed as much as I have from when I was 20 to now when I'm 50. Right. And um, if you can flatten it out, what a great expression. I've never heard it, but if you can flatten it out and enjoy it, I do also think that the internet and this modern era is era is very supportive of that. Right. Mm. I mean, I mean, we, we, when we started, when we released the Meadowlands, there was no internet, you know, Facebook was still four or five years away. I mean, right. it's, it's people forget, right. I mean, there was just not, we were still writing to zines and stuff like, you know, paper, weird kind of things. Right. And I mean, now look, you know, 25 years ago, you probably couldn't have your own show that literally has the opportunity to be heard to people all over the world. And there are people that will appreciate your work that's great. So the access, I, I, I think that's helping the arts for sure. Um, I guess early on, you know, early on in, in, and I, I guess the formation of the Rens was there, I, I guess, did you kind of get any advice from anyone to kind of, you yeah. know, have that, have I that spirit? Two, yeah. Two, two, two pieces of advice. So when, when I was saying that Jerry and I, the you know, Jerry plays drums in the Rens, best friends to all of us. He, uh, <clears throat> We worked at Columbia Artist Management, which was the number one uh, classical management agency in the world. I mean, they put everything into Lincoln Center, Carnegie Hall, really 
famous. I mean, we were working for some of the most famous opera singers and orchestras in the world. Anyway, I got to work with one of the, I worked for, I was a, an admin for one of the big managers. And he said to me two pieces of advice. Well, one, this guy that he gave me, uh, he said, I know you're in a band. I know you guys have dreams of making it and being successful. <clears throat> he said, but just so you know, for those that make it, he's like, everything goes right and everything's easy. And it was really kind of disappointing, right? I was sort of heartbroken because everything was hard for us. Nothing was easy. I mean, we used to we used to hand out cassette tapes on the streets of Manhattan and people would throw them back at us because we didn't want to hand out flyers. So we would hand out our songs. I mean, we would try anything. And everything was difficult for us, but he was 100% right because then when I saw people like Connor and like the Arcade Fire, um, they work like hell. I mean, I... I, I Every time I was able, when he was young, he was writing more songs than I've ever seen anyone write, Connor. Or Arcade Fire would just, you know, but everything was easy. They just sort of happened. The community went around them, right? The whole world. So that was one good piece of advice. But you didn't need to quit. You just have to realize that if you're not, if you don't have the stars aligning, it's it's going to be a little bit more of a challenge. And I, and I think, you know, the other great piece of advice that we got is that if you have an artistic pursuit, do it. Like, go for it. Don't think that someone's going to fund it or someone's going to discover you. Just go out and do it. Right. Right. And that's, yeah, you learn the most. Like you, like here, I'm sure you've learned. How many podcasts have you done? I think, I think around 30. I so think 30. 30. Yeah. You know so much more on the 30th than you do on the first. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> you see, even you're, you're laughing at it. You're like, oh my God, I didn't even know where to put the plug in or whatever it might be. Right. You know, and now you know, tempo, you know, so anyway, it's, uh, if you love something, just do it. Right. Um, yeah. And, and I guess, you know, in, in that New York times article, um, they, they quoted you as saying that you, I, I think maybe I have the timeline wrong, but you, I think you said something about how you were dead set on writing a hundred songs for whatever the yeah. next project would be. Yeah. Um, is, is that how you work? Like, do you feel, um, that your next song that you write is always better than the one you wrote before, or do you kind of go through a refining process? Uh, it's a great question. Definitely. I think I've written my best song. <laughs> you know, I think there's sometimes, I, you know, I think sometimes people have to realize when they have a peak or however, it doesn't mean you can't stop chasing after it. Right. And different songs attract people for different reasons, right. That you kind of don't have any rival reason, but yes, there's definitely a process to it. Right. It's so funny. I'm actually in the middle of the process right now. So, you know, I have my, I have my book and I'm checking <laughs> this and like, I, I you know, I'm, and, and there's something about like a volume of, of kind of, you know, it's like getting that clump of, you know, marble and then how do you get the the hidden statue that might be in the marble and that goes for a collection of songs that goes for the song itself that goes for a lyric and you're always i think chipping away at it uh and you get just like your your podcast you know example or our our my podcast example you, you get better as you go chipping right right but yeah um and again it goes back to i don't know why i do it right no one should really care and i care and so <laughs> <laughs> it is it is kind of funny yeah it, it's funny to have those moments of like self-awareness right of being like yeah being like why wait why am i spending hours doing yeah these things completely. It's but it's but it is it's that gratification it's that it's like, just but you but you worked even to get prepared for this like, you know why like what, what, 
you know, couldn't you, you could have made a sandwich or something, right? But you know, you're like, you know, the sandwiches are going to give you what you're, you're sort of craving in that way. And um, yeah, it's, it's really a fun, it's a fun adventure, right? I, I just read that Jeff Tweedy book about how to write one song or something like that. We, oh yeah. I haven't, I haven't read that yet. It's a quick read and he gives a lot of techniques and you see, he's just obsessive, right? He just, he almost writes 24 hours, right? The guy's just, he's the real deal. But as great as he is, it still, you know, comes down to art and craft and inspiration and all of it in time and all that. So I, I, I haven't read that book, but I, I remember hearing him talk about how, you know, he tries to create something like every day. Or yeah. even oh. if it's like a guitar riff or something like that. I could is, send you, I could send you the book. It's just, he's, and it gives you his schedule. It gives when he's blocks and he writes a lot every day and yeah. he, and he reviews and he, he edits himself. I mean, it's just, he's, yeah, it was quite impressive. Are, are yeah. you able, are you able to do that? Is, is that kind of how you work as well? Do you kind of tinker at the piano every day or do you kind Sadly, of, does it come out in bursts? I know. Sadly, I do. I, you know, I would never say that I am like that, but I, I am. My, my wife would say it or my family. I'm always strumming or playing. Always have been. Since I was 13. You know, there's always like, you know, here, you know, this is like this, 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 <laughs> yeah. like that, and then there's here. So, you know, um, it's just, uh, uh, sorry, as I turn the camera to show other instruments, but yeah, I'm always tinkering with something. Right. Um, I, I was really curious because I, you know, in, in preparation for this, I was going back and watching a bunch of old Wren's just live performances from around the Meadowlands. And I've always loved the bass that you play in that band. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, and just how it's, it's, it's almost like how Willie Nelson's trigger is like kind of bombed out and just completely used to death. And I was just wondering, you know, it's, it's been a, so about Patrick, I, if I could give you an award or balloons could fall down from the sky, I would, because <laughs> you were the only person that's ever asked. Me. Oh, really? And, <laughs> yes. And uh, I cannot tell you my love affair with that instrument. Uh, my parents gave it to me when I was 16. It has been with to every show I've ever been to. Um, Jerry, uh, the, again, buddy, the Wrens drummer, he sawed off the arms because I play upside down and left-handed. So I play all messed up, right? <clears throat> so it, it wouldn't cover right. So we cut off all the wood. Uh, it, it's broken everywhere you possibly can imagine. It has gone through a flood. It has been thrown off of so many stages. I can't even imagine. There's nails in it. And it's just, it, it's, it's like a tank. It never, ever fails. <laughs> I mean, and it's called, and I, and I get, it's called silver. It's had a name forever. And it's just, it's a, it's a beast, but thank you for asking. And uh, yes, I got a, fa I got a fancy bass, but I sort of like, yeah, you it just play over. It's a Yamaha bass. Yeah, it's like it was like two hundred bucks. Nice. I mean, yeah. now I, I guess with all this time has gone by, I mean, is it now just a neck and pickups? Like, is it is it just completely <laughs> like worn down? I'll send you. I'll send you some photos, and you're gonna be like, oh my gosh, it's really and there's there's saw marks in it, and there's yeah we we had all the band carve their initials in it. I mean, it is kind of like so that's what I see the Willie Nelson acoustic, and I love Willie Nelson. I see his acoustic. I'm like, oh, it has a hole in it. It's broken. It's just love, you know. It's uh, there's beer on it. There's 
There's sweat, you know, yes. But thank you. There you yeah. go. I think this is the best question I've ever been asked. Oh, nice. Well, that makes me happy. Um, so I, I know that you were announced as one of the bands on South by Southwest next year. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess my question is, um, do you kind of view Aeon Station as, as a band, like as, as like a living, breathing band or yeah. is it? I do. I look, I look at it as, you know, a, a project, you know, to kind of, you know, as a vehicle to provide songs. Right. I think that's it. And to, and to do them live <clears throat> would be wonderful. Right. You know, I've been playing live since I was 13 years old. Right. You know, that's 40 right. years of, of playing live and shows. And I haven't played a show since 2010, you know, really long time. Um, I never particularly liked shows. But because I, I, I would get nervous, I was always, always a super nervous one, even though I didn't look like I was nervous, I was extremely nervous, uh, it was sort of a mask. But the uh, but I think to be able to play these songs, because uh, the songs in the record, I'm just extremely proud of. Right. <clears throat> and I think they will translate well live. And and to kind of if I play to three people, I'm telling you, I'm happy. I I've been doing this a long time. So I. I've played, we've been lucky. We played rooms to nobody, to bartenders or really disinterested bartenders to thousands of people. And, you know, everything oh. has its, yeah. So it's very, it's just to play to anyone would be, that'd be a lot of fun. That would be, that would be interesting. Are, are there plans to tour around South Southwest? Yeah, or? I think it would be sort of similar to like the Rens touring kind of thing, you know, weekends here and there, vacations, you know, kind of work around, you know, the job and, and all that stuff. You know, it's, uh, <clears throat> It's nice. Our, our, our booking agent, his name is Ryan Craven, a wonderful guy. He actually played the drums for the Rens on many of the Meadowlands tours. Uh, and he went on to discover a lot of bands. He's a booking agent. He, he discovered, you know, helped discover Passion Pit. And, and now he, he books War on Drugs. And, um, you know, there are those that can always play. <laughs> and then there's people like us and Black Flag where it's like, you know, you can only yeah. play when you kind of can. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Got to pick um, and choose. I, I guess, you know, when, when the band uh, plays South by Southwest, when, when you do this um, tour that you're saying that you yeah. want to do, will, will it be your brother and, and Jerry? Yeah, they're going to play. They, they said they want to kind of get in and do some playing and then some other friends will join. Yeah, Tom Tom Pujor, who uh, who's just a brilliant guy. I don't know if you know Tom or uh, since you have podcasts, you might want to have Tom on a podcast. He was also a New York Times bestseller this year. Because he wrote he wrote um, a great book uh, about sort of like the the hair metal era, right? Uh, oh, is that uh, he, uh, nothing but a good time? Nothing but that? a good time. Yeah. So Tom <laughs> Tom and his partner Tom and a partner wrote that uh, a great great just so many amazing. I mean, we the Ren stories are like yawn ho hum compared to uh, those. Stories. <laughs> uh, it would make a good podcast. Uh, but he also you know produces and mixes and and records bands lot for not a surf and many many other bands got it by voices and whatnot. And uh, so yeah, so maybe he could play some. Maybe uh, uh, it'd, it'd be it'd be cool. Nice. So it, is it kind of like a loose kind of. Um like open door kind of policy with the project? I would say it's more stuff. that at the moment, right? Because yeah. uh, if people don't want to see a show, <laughs> it's going to be an open door policy. Right. But, yeah, I guess the door uh, will just remain open, right? Patrick, do you, are you interested in playing? Because yeah. Uh, Hey, yeah, I, actually, yeah, I'd be down. What, what do you play? I, I play guitar and um, 
uh, a little, I'm trying to teach myself keyboards right now, but you're in. I need, I need guitar and keyboards. There's so Perfect. many guitars in that thing and key, so many keyboards. So yeah. you're in, there you go. <laughs> See, this is a better podcast. And you think I'm kidding. I'm actually probably not kidding. I'll call you. Get, get my info. I'll, I'll do it. Yeah. Um, so, so I, I guess, you know, um, for a while, you know, I was, I was living in Brooklyn up until about two months ago. Oh, wow. And, and I remember for the longest time, Charlie was kind of putting out this, this open call saying yeah. that like, like, Oh, like the Renz album is done. Like we're, we're mixing it. Um, if you want to come over to my place, you can come over, just hit me up and we can listen nice. to it together. And he was yeah. just kind of like extending that inv- invite out to people. Um, I guess, was there kind of a sequenced album? Um, like, did you hear, was there a sequenced and, and finished Renz album that was out there? Um, yeah, it was, it was put into order. A lot of the songs would sort of flow into each other. Right. You know, um, you know, we were trying to go for, you know, cause we knew we couldn't replace the Meadowlands. Right. And I, and I, I said right away. So when you, when, when the Meadowlands discovered you, Patrick, the way I look at it, the, the record discovered you, you were a teenager, right. That's you mm. share. You cannot duplicate that ever. You just can't. So the, the art has to find somebody in a different place in their life. So I was like, you cannot mimic that record. You cannot. There's so many factors that go into making it that record for that. So, um, and then we kind of, we, we have long conversations about, you know, do we, is this like the epic book of our collection? Right. You know, we had like the wacky young ones. We had sort of like the one that was like appreciated. Now is this sort of like the big one that people are like, oh, it's kind of thick, but I like it. So I think it's sort of where we were kind of going. So yeah, so there was a running order. Um, and yeah, we, we'd sent a version around to sub pop and yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I guess like the, um, the expectations to kind of reach the Meadowlands at a certain point, maybe kind of sunk it a little bit. Is that what you're saying? I think, well, I think it's always, it was pretty, it was always a bit in the back of our minds, of course. Right. Right. Um, you know, but, but oddly enough, it wasn't, it wasn't, it really wasn't in my mind, except for, I knew I couldn't go and chase it. I knew I couldn't replicate it. You know what I mean? Because we couldn't, we didn't even know what created it to get it there. So now, you know, 12 years later, you kind of can't just go and make it. You have to go and I think the bottom line was, like, are the songs good? Do I like the songs? You know what right. I mean? Do they compete with the other songs that we've done that have been good? And I got to the five and I was like, I'm done. That's it. I think they're good. It's the best I have to give, you know, give them humble talents, you know. Um, I, it's funny. I know everyone's kind of watching that Beatles thing, right? You know. Yeah, I was actually going to bring that up with you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, you know, and we were obviously mag- huge Beatles fans, right? But, you know, you're talking about guys who just can write songs, like just walking out of rooms with no issues, right? I mean, we, are, you know, there's so few that are blessed with that incredible talent. Our our talents were humble in, term, in terms of writing songs, but, you know, aspired, aspired to be as good as our heroes. Right? Yeah, it's, it's funny because I feel like this the Beatles thing, get back. Like, I feel like it does two things that are amazing in, in that it shows, um, it shows people the ugliness of what it's like to be in a band, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. to kind of, you know, like you could love people. Um, you know, you could love your friends that you play music with so much, but there, when, when push comes to shove, there are some difficult decisions to make in a band. And, and sometimes it can be, you know, just, um, 
a lot of waiting around for things to happen, or it can yeah. be like a lot of, you know, just kind of. Well, that's a good. Um, that's a good insight. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. a lot but, of. But the other thing that it may like, I, I think that some people might not realize if if this is the first peer into a band dynamic that they've ever had, um, who. I guess maybe like don't come from playing in bands and stuff like that yeah. is that not everyone is as talented as Paul McCartney who can just like sit at a base and just like come up with get back in like 20 seconds, you know, like and that. Exactly. And and then on top of it, they make it look so easy. Yeah. You get what I mean? Like, all of a sudden right. it's like, like your studio's like, Oh my God, he's writing this one or John Lennon doing like, you know, he kept talking about the Marrakesh song. Like, I'm a demon of the past. You're just like, oh my God, that's going to come out like in 10 years, but he's still already do. You know, you're just like, oh, you just, yes, for those of like us that experience what it's like, you can sit there and be like, they're not normal. They just weren't normal people. Yeah. Right? I, I was so blown away. Like I, I love, I was just talking to my friend about this and um, I could talk for hours about this thing, but uh, like, I, I love that George showed up with, you know, like all things must pass and isn't it a pity right. and, and just being like, well, I, I don't think we're going to have our shit together before this TV show. So I'm not like putting my best stuff out there and then just, and then just wrote these amazing songs. Like I mean, mine, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Exactly. And all Beatleheads, right? All everyone loves the I mean my song. Everybody likes the Beatles. And you're just like, really? It just came that night and you're just kind of hanging out. And you know, it go I think it goes to show you that competition helps too, right? That they're constantly in that thing. And then what I what I took away, and look at I'm lucky. I I was, you know, like I said, the only thing that's ever mattered to me is the reps. I've never done a solo show. I've never played with another band. I've never done anything except for the reps. Right. So it really is my world than it always has been um and you know what it also kind of showed you is that they had this openness with each other to be really really shitty right. not personality wise just bad like and they kind of didn't care like that was the other things like he's literally writing let it be an anthem of generations and they're making jokes on him like they kind of like didn't really care you know you're just like oh my yeah. god yeah so many so many times where paul like Paul calls George cheesy at one point. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. Right, exactly. It's like, you know, you write some pretty cheesy songs yourself there, pal. But yeah. it just, yeah, I think it's, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a wonderful documentary. That's also kind of very interesting for me being that I've been in a band for 30 years, over 30 years, right? right. Had extra, had extra moments of like at the heart and all that, right? Because I lived all that with three guys. Sure. Well, well, it's funny too, because like, and I, I guess what this thing does for a lot of people is it dispels the kind of bullshit narrative that people have been, you know, latching onto forever that Yoko was the one who broke up. I know, band. right. Well, it's always easy to blame women, right? Yeah. yeah. It's like, they're always getting a bad rap. <clears throat> they're always, you know, it's it, exactly. And, and that, I think that was very good for the whole the whole brand, right? You know, of course, you know, there are elements, you know, you, we only saw one month. That's the other part. You only saw one month of them. Could you imagine what the years were like? And yeah, yeah. After that, you know, it's been, they're pretty intense characters. So it, it looks like, you know, February 15th was probably just as intense. You got to get exhausted of that intensity for sure. Well, well I'm, I'm, I'm sure you, I'm sure that kind of resonated with you in, in some ways, you know, looking back on, 
on your time with the Rens, you know, I'm, I'm sure people glob onto so many reasons as to why yeah, uh, maybe course. a record took so long. I, it, when in actuality, it was probably just a, so many things, you know, so many things in your lives. You can't, you can't pinpoint one. That's why there's no right. You know, all like I, like I've said to the band, all of us had good and bad behavior. Yeah. It's just that simple. And if you don't call it that way, you're, you're scamming. You know what I mean? It's, it's just, that's the way it is. Right. It, especially for something that's been over 30 years. Right. Uh, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. How, how are, uh, how are Charles's songs? Oh, they're, they're excellent. They're great yeah. songs. Yeah, of course. You know, like I've always, like I always share it, you know, no one's a bigger fan of our music than me just because I get to do it. Mm-hmm. I might not like it when we're done it. Right. Like I don't go back and listen to it, but I, no one loves it more. You know, I have so many fond memories of all even Greg songs or songs that Jerry sang on, or just like Beatles, like we always try to be, you know, and then Charles songs, you know, I mean, I was with him when he showed his first song that he ever wrote, you know, in West oh, New wow. York. And, you know, I was like, Oh, you know, we got to do this thing. And so, right. You know, I have, uh, I'm always, uh, I'm always the the Renz and his songs are Greg's biggest fan. That's for sure. Yeah. Are you, are you all still in touch? Are you still in t- touch with Charles? Yeah. I think right now I would say it's a little stressed. <laughs> right. Yeah. Kind of what's right. going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's kind of hard to take away 30 years. Right. Cause it's that, it, it's, it means that much to all of us in different ways. Right. So I guess, you know, working Thank at John, you working at Johnson and Johnson during the pandemic, yeah. Um, you were kind of saying that, you know, the pandemic was kind of maybe a little inspiration or gave you a little nudge to kind of, you know, yeah. seize the day in some ways. I, yeah, I, no, no. I can only, I can only imagine, you know, working at a place like Johnson and Johnson during it all, which yeah. was developing the vaccination, developing ma- ma- vaccination. Mag- magnificent, right. You know, it's just an incredible company. I'm so blessed to have a good job and uh, work with the people that I work with. And I work with all like, uh, the kind of I work in consumer and I work with uh, the, the, the cool rock star scientists, you know, really like that, that no one wants to do podcasts with or right. But these, these folks are just incredible. You figure when the pandemic happened in that March of that year, people were just staying home. These scientists had to get in their car and they, I remember I had scientists that were in, in Pennsylvania and they had to go over to their job and they were nervous. Nobody was on the streets. How are they going to get right. in the buildings? And they went and they did their science and they they ran their tests and they did their analytical methodologies and the, the coolest people. Just it's just the coolest. It's the coolest thing, right? It's it's more rock star than rock stars. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, my my wife actually just got a job at Johnson and Johnson. She's get uh, out of here. Yeah, yeah. She's uh, she actually sent me where she works. She's at CXO org called Audience Management under Don Hampton's org. I don't know if that makes any sense. That's so nice. Well, tell her <laughs> to please look me up and uh, let's have a connect. Yeah, I'd be for sure. happy to kind of introduce her to a lot of people. James, that is so what a wonderful thing. Congratulations. Yeah, That's yeah. Yeah, she works in marketing. Uh, her name's Courtney. Oh, that's so yeah. great. Does she do? Do you know if she does consumer or does she do uh, farm? Uh, she does you know? uh, consumer. She does consumer. Please tell her to write me. Yeah, for want. sure. You, know, you might not want to put this in the podcast. <laughs> I know. Yeah, we could we could take this out. But, you know, but, yeah. but but please, I I would love that. That's such a that would be such an honor, right? For yeah. Sure. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely put you in touch. Yeah, she got a, she got a kick out of it. I, I sent her the New York Times article and was like, hey, I think you work with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's been interesting that's yeah sure. well well kevin thanks so much for doing this man this, thanks, is, this is a lot of fun a lot of fun thank you so much okay and please stay in touch yeah for sure all right okay. take care well, that's, bye-bye